St John of the Cross tells us, without the aid of mental prayer, the soul cannot triumph over the forces of the demon. Welcome to the Meditation and Mental Prayer podcast. This is Catholics Talking to God. My name is Christabel and I'm a Catholic teacher and theologian. This podcast is about mental prayer and all things that lead to mental prayer. For instance, we'll be talking about living in the presence of God, we'll be examining the great saints and what they had to tell us and teach us about how best to do mental prayer. In the New Testament, hell is mentioned 23 times. And St Paul advises us, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Now, with a good sense of order, St Ignatius puts the meditation on the pains of hell immediately after considering the life and death scenario of committing sin against God. And of course we're talking about the life and death of our souls. In the last episode, we listened to St Ignatius explain the seriousness of sinning against the Most High God. What St Ignatius is doing is getting you and I to clear the decks so that when we step into God, our baptismal robe is as clean and refreshed as possible. The specks and the dirt that are left on it from forgotten sin and faults that we have not confessed in confession, and those sins too that we still cling to, will show up clearly in the light of God as we step into mental prayer. Now, willfully, you can start mental prayer without this preparation process, but you won't get very far very quickly. Firstly, you will not have the same respect for God as you enter into mental prayer with him as you would doing those first exercises. Secondly, if you don't do the exercises, you'll not be aware of how high the stakes are. You need to know what will happen if you first start on the road of mental prayer and then later take your hand from the plough and go back to your old ways. Hence, St Ignatius demands that you consider the place named hell And that's what we'll do in this episode. Keep remembering the advice, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. What we're going to look at now is what Ignatius calls the first manner of praying. St. Ignatius says that this should be taught to everyone, that every Catholic should know how to do this. And this is what the first manner of praying entails. You read through the Ten Commandments of God and the commandments of the Church. At the same time, you bring to mind the principal duties of your state in life. You're going to take each one of these and ask yourself two questions. Firstly, what does this commandment or this duty say that I must do? Secondly, ask yourself, in what way have I been unfaithful to these commandments or to my daily duties in life? Having done that, make an act of contrition after each examination, after each commandment. St Ignatius advises that you should say between each one as perfectly as possible an Our Father or a Hail Mary or a Glory Be. This extra prayer is to offer satisfaction to God for offending him and to obtain the grace of being more faithful in the future. In this, the first manner of praying, three important things happen. Firstly, we experience sorrow, then we meditate and then we are instructed in our faith and how to behave. And, can I just say once again, that St Ignatius says 
that the first manner of prayer should be taught to everyone and be practiced both before confession and at other relevant times. So let's begin the first exercise in hell. And in this, St. Ignatius asks us to consider the habitation of the damned in hell. In the Gospel of Luke, we read that the Holy Spirit calls it the place of torments. Isaiah tells us it is a prison where the condemned shall be imprisoned by the justice of God to be tormented through the ages of ages. They shall be shut up there in prison. Job describes it as a region of misery, a darkness where an internal horror dwells. This is a land of misery and darkness, where the shadow of death and no order but everlasting horror dwelleth. The last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, warns of a lake of fire and brimstone and says, They shall have their portion in the pool of burning fire and brimstone. Isaiah speaks of a deep valley where a torrent of sulphur rolls, lighted by the breath of the Lord, and says, For Topheth is prepared from yesterday, prepared by the king deep and wide. The nourishments thereof are fire and much wood, The breath of the Lord, as a torrent of brimstone, doth kindle it. In Psalm 20 we read of a burning furnace. Thou shalt make them as an oven of fire, says the psalm. The depth of an abyss, most terrifying of all, is the revelation. He opened the bottomless pit, the smoke from which darkens the sun, like the smoke from a vast furnace. The words are, and he opened the bottomless pit, and the smoke of the pit arose as the smoke of a great furnace. Finally, Isaiah talks of the justice of God and the anger of the Almighty being like a winepress in which an angry God will trample upon and crush his enemies. The words there are, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God the Almighty. And I have trampled on them in my indignation and have trodden them down in my wrath. Now you can view Bible chapters and verses for these pieces from scripture in the show notes. Now the Ignatian way is to look and consider what sort of demons we are going to be spending eternity with if we are unfortunate to fall into hell. These are spirits that are created for vengeance and in their fury they lay on grievous torments. Because these demons are damned themselves They know they have nothing else to do but torture the damned. That might be you or me. These demons hate God for condemning them to hell, and so they take their revenge out on a creature made in God's likeness. That's you and me. They scream their fury and hatred of God on the condemned human soul because they cannot get at God. St. Ignatius tells us, Imagine yourself condemned a terrible accomplice of these demons chained with them to burn in hell for all eternity. Imagine not being able to get away from these demons who take consolation in tearing you to pieces. Now, while I'm not entirely convinced that NDEs, that is near-death experiences, are not a satanic lie, I did listen to one man tell of how he was pulled into hell by demons as he died on the hospital operating theatre. He tells about a huge demon taking him down into the depths of the pit And as they stood facing each other, this horrific thing rips his arm off. And the shock and the pain and the horror were terrible when he realised, this is something you can't undo. 
A few seconds later, the arm was perfect again, and he felt a moment of, well, shock, but relief. Before the demon ripped it off again, he experienced the same terror as the first time, exactly the same terror. And then he knew this was to be his eternity, standing there having his arm ripped off by this hideous demon. As always in these near-death experiences, the man was told it wasn't his time to die, and he was returned to his body and he lived a reformed life. Now when your mind balks at the thought that God would surely not do this for all eternity, we have to sober up quick and admit that God does not do this to us. We handed ourselves to these demons when we were on earth on the occasion when we chose to go with them into sin. In the Ignatian meditation and mental prayer method, the pains of hell in particular are examined. Now, as you're going through this, you see the liberal platitudes about hell being empty. Put those down into hell where they belong. Because Jesus tells us that hell is not empty, that it's very, very full. And most of the people go there. When Jesus is telling the story about the rich man, he says, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died, and he was buried in hell. St. Peter certainly believed in hell when he says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but delivered them, drawn down by infernal ropes to the lower hell unto torments, to be reserved unto judgment. Jesus spoke very directly to the church leaders of his time. He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you go round about the sea and the land to make one convert, and when he's made, you make him the child of hell, twofold more than yourselves, and you serpents, generation of vipers, how will you flee from the judgment of hell? Really worrying is when our Lord declares, Whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven because he is guilty of an eternal sin. You know that when Jesus talks about how people will come on the last day and they say to him, Lord, Lord. And he says, you know, not everyone who says Lord, Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. And he actually says to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. And he sends them into hell. And the other thing is, if you remember, that he warns his disciples not to fear people who can kill the body, but to fear whom who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Remember where he says that it's better to enter into heaven having cut off your hand that sins against you rather than go to hell to the unquenchable fire. He adds that in hell worms don't die and the fire is not quenched. The parable where he tells about um, the net holding the good and the not so good fish and the angels throw them into the furnace of the fire where men will weep and gnash their teeth. The same fate for the wicked is given in the parable of the tares and the wheat. Remember when he talks about cutting down the wheat with the weeds, the tares, and one will be taken into the bars and the other will be sent to be burned. Now we're going to look at a wee thing here from the diary of Father William Doyle. Father William Doyle was a priest in 1907 and he did his spiritual exercises as an Ignatian priest and he kept his diary 
or a journal of the outcomes of the different meditations. And of course, that's what we're supposed to do. We should be keeping a diary or a journal of how we get on, what we learn, what Jesus says to us, what we say to him, and how we're going to improve our lives. We should use a diary or a journal to do that. And you can get very good diaries and journals uh, for meditation and mental prayer from our site meditationjournals.com. So let's look at what Father Doyle wrote in his journal. And I have written here, in October the 10th, 1907, the Irish priest, Father William Doyle, began his 30-day retreat. After the meditation in hell, he wrote in his diary, I can imagine I am a soul in hell, and God in his mercy is saying to me, Return to the world for this year, and on your manner of life during the year will depend on your returning to hell or not. And he writes, How little I should think of suffering, of mortification. How I would rejoice in suffering. How perfectly each day would be spent. God treated me as I deserved. I should be in hell right now. Shall I ever again have cause for grumbling or complaining, no matter what may happen to me? My habit of complaining, no matter what happens. My habit of constantly speaking uncharitably of others. And in general, faults of the tongue seem to be the chief reason why I derive so little fruit from my Mass and spiritual duties. Nothing dries up the fountains of grace so much as an affection for sin. And he writes, It is so important that one may detest and deplore one's sins. If he has unhappily committed any, and he realises how much he deserves punishment of hell, which is a necessary consequence of choosing Satan over God. So we know that the moment a man sins, he incurs a debt, a debt to be paid by internal damnation, and he becomes like a criminal, sentenced to death on a scaffold. There is no way of appealing the sentence. So we have to admit that God is just in his rewards. He rewards the upright with the glory of heaven and punishes the wicked with the eternal pains of hell. We have seen how man was created to love and serve God, and when he sins, he does not love nor serve God. But despises him and thus he comes under the sentence of eternal punishment in hell. This punishment will be in proportion to the malice of his sins and their number. In sin there are found five evils of malice. The first evil is the contempt with which the sinner treats God. The second evil is the sinner's act of rebellion against God. The third evil is the overfondness for a created object or person which made one sin. The fourth evil is a sensual or spiritual satisfaction that the sinner finds in actually sinning. The fifth evil is pride, which consists in man wanting to be happy of himself, independent of God. Lastly, consider that when someone dies and they are still in opposition to God, it's like a rock they can't change. And so their sentence in hell, in a way, is written in stone. It can't change. So now, having begun meditation and mental prayer, it is important to know what is in store for us if we decide to turn back. Because we're already on the royal road to heaven, we can either go forward or we can turn back. And Ignatius wants us to know this. So now that's the meditation on hell. There's quite a bit more to it, but I think that'll do us for one day. I hope you've enjoyed this. Thank you very much for listening. God bless.